Okay, now that we've got all the technology hopefully sorted out, there are a few other issues that happened earlier and no doubt more that will happen later. But let's just commit this time to the Lord in prayer and then I'm going to give you a little quiz. Dear Lord, we don't have to wait for a day called Christmas to remember that you came from heaven to rescue us from our sin. We don't have to wait until December the 25th to celebrate your love and your joy. We don't have to wait until the time of Advent to show the love of Christ to the world around us and to share the good news. But Lord, we pray for this time when the world gives us an opportunity to share the truth, the real gospel truth to those around us. Please make us courageous to do that and please also make us sensitive that we might speak the words of Christ into the hearts of our friends and remind ourselves again, Christ has come. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, now, my wife is a bit of a keen follower of these television quiz shows, so I'm going to give you a quiz this morning, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a part out from the scripture, so we're already fairly safe. If you've been reading the scripture a lot, that'll be nice and easy for you. If you haven't been reading it a lot, well, then you probably won't win. And I want you to identify who says this and where we found it, okay? So, piece of scripture, who says it and where is it is found? Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, now dismiss your servant in peace. Anybody got it yet? Excellent. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. And that's the same thing. That's still Simeon making the same comments. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your soul too. Now, I thought I'd read that out because poor old Anna and Simeon don't get much of a mention at Christmas time, and they're only eight days away from the birth. This is when Jesus was taken to the temple to be presented and for a sacrifice to be made to redeem the firstborn, which, of course, Jesus was. And I just thought I'd sort of bring them in a little bit this morning because when you start looking at the Gospels, when you go back into the Old Testament, when you get a feeling for the whole of the scripture, you start to wonder, why do we have to add anything on? There's a huge number of absolutely amazing things happening and we have to add other bits and pieces onto the story. So, this morning I'm sort of asking the question, Christmas. I may end up staying over here a little bit, if that's all right. Thank you. Not that I'm worried, but I'll be in trouble later. Where, when, what, why, and most of importantly, who? 
some questions to ask about Christmas. And the reason why I'm bringing this up, some of you may have heard, some of you may not have, depending upon how devoted you are to your television watching, that a lady by the name of Kitty Flanagan, who is supposed to be a comedian, made some comments in, uh, in a show called The Project in the last week. She made some observations and joked about the fact that apparently scientists are studying Santa. I didn't even bother to get into that. I can't figure out what scientists would be trying to do studying about a person called St. Nicholas, but never mind. I thought it would be more historical than science, but anyway. And she followed up these remarks by adding, oh, sorry, spoiler alert, if you had kids in the room, you should probably have covered their ears and gone la, 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 or something. And I found that actually a little bit interesting because it seems to me that that's what a lot of people do when we start to talk about Jesus. Don't want to hear, don't want to hear, don't want to hear. And in fact, uh, my Jewish friends seem to be a little bit the same way. And apparently, parents were outraged by Flanagan's comments. Twitter was filled with parents telling how their three, four, and five-year-old children had their Christmas dreams destroyed because of these horrible comments. And and this is not a one-off story. This is something that's been happening more and more and more. And originally, I was really going to get stuck into um, this particular issue, but our sister Fiona's done a very good clip on Yes He Is, isn't it, I think? Which is the anti santi ranty I think it's called. So if you're interested in something, go and look at that. But I felt, no, I don't want to spend time on that. I want to spend time looking at our Lord Jesus Christ instead. Because Kitty didn't finish with Santa Claus. She moved on to mythologise the very existence not the deity, the very existence of Jesus Christ. If you want to study a Christmas me man who doesn't exist, surely Jesus comes in at number one. It's nice to see that she's at least letting him come in at number one at something. Okay. A Christmas me man who doesn't exist. Well, unlike all those people who are jumping up and down, I admit if I'd heard that, I probably would have been jumping up and down in front of my television set but I probably wouldn't have written in because they don't want to hear anyway. They'll stick their fingers in their ears and go, la, 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 la. What do we need to know about this Jesus? Well, for starters, he's an historical person. I was actually gobsmacked the first time that I met a person who told me that they didn't believe that Jesus had ever existed. I thought, surely you're kidding me. But no, apparently there are people out there who have that problem. So I thought, I want to compare and contrast this morning the world's view of Christmas and our view of Christmas. Now, of course, things that people think about at Christmas time, I'm just going to ask you to get running over in your mind, what are some of the things that you or others around you think about at Christmas time? And I think number one that comes to mind is gifts. Um, Food is in there, holiday as well, which I always find interesting since if I understand correctly the etymology, that's the source of the word holiday, is a holy day, which it doesn't, there don't seem to be many holy days in our holidays these days. Fun family gatherings, 
Now, I've got to be honest, our family gatherings are generally pretty good. That doesn't mean there won't be some disagreements, and if you know the Harriets, there'll probably be an argument or debate about something, because we enjoy that. We enjoy a bit of cut and thrust and examining of things, or most of us. Caleb, perhaps not so much so, but the rest of us enjoy a good examination of an issue. But for some people, they're not fun family gatherings. At this time, as I understand it, Lifeline says that this is one of the worst times of the year for them because you're forcing people who in many cases have a great deal of grievances against others but all sorts of things that they've done wrong and that they're holding on to and you bring them all together and stick them all in one room. And then you get them, you get them to have too much to drink and then you say, well, isn't it amazing that that all ended up in a mess? Well, not overly. Food and drink. Yes, of course. We all know the feeling of, well, maybe you don't. Um, many of us know the feeling of eating too much at Christmas lunchtime and then needing that afternoon nap to slowly work it off, which I'm also told is not good for me. We have a Christmas tree and lots of decorations. And hasn't that become a big thing recently? Drive around the streets and people have got decorations all over their house. If only that was an expression of their joy at knowing Jesus. That would be wonderful, but I suspect it's not. And then we have this perceived concept of peace, goodwill towards men and women. Now, on the SBS recently, I believe there was a program that relates to uh, something that happened in 19... Is it 1914, Ruth? The 1914 uh, World War I, where the Germans and the Allies, I'm assuming, were on two different sides, and the Germans started to sing Silent Night. And so this was an examination of Silent Night. And, the, and they started to sing it, obviously, in German, and the English started to sing it in English. And for whatever reason, these guys then popped their heads up over their... Uh, trenches. If you're, for the young ones, if you're not aware, in World War I, people used to fight war in holes in the ground. Stick your head up, shoot something, or sometimes just stick the gun up and shoot something and drop back down again and hope you didn't get hit. These guys climbed out of the trenches, shared gifts with each other, which they wouldn't have had much of. I believe they played football against each other, and that didn't end up in another battle either, should I say. And... They, they decided to stop shooting at each other. Why? Well, because it was a day that they were remembering the birth of their saviour. Because, of course, Christ didn't just come to the English. He came to uh, the Jews to start with and to the whole world. Remember what we read earlier on? It will be a message of great joy to all mankind. And so for a short period of time, some people forgot that they were killing each other for reasons they probably didn't really understand anyway, and fellowshiped together. And uh, I'm certain it will surprise you to know that apparently all the generals were horrified at this form of fraternisation. I don't know whether it was allowed to continue on the next year or not. Uh, I, I suspect not. But I want to ask you the question, if we can have one day of the year where there's peace, goodwill amongst men, why do we limit it to one day? We want to keep the other 364 days for hatred and anger and violence. I'm not sure. Of course, shopping. 
Any of you who've had the pleasure, as I have, to actually be in the plaza in the last week will know what I'm talking about. Barely room to walk, let alone do anything else. And of course, crowds. Lots and lots of people. And of course, Mr. St. Nicholas shows himself up. Songs and carols, so we do lots of singing. And I really do enjoy the singing. Um, I'm certain that will come as a great shock to some of my friends. But let's look at some of the facts about Christmas. The celebration of Christ's birth on the date of the 25th of December is first recorded in 336 AD. So clearly the early church either didn't think that December the 25th was the right date or didn't think that it was an important thing to remember per se. Not in terms of having a specific date. As I said before, as Christians, we should remember the Lord's incarnation. That's God coming and in flesh, as John read earlier on, every day. Because he's somehow, which boggles my mind, is still in the form, of, uh, in a fleshly form now. He still bears the marks on him now. And that's just amazing. So, a few years later, Pope Julius I officially declared December the 25th as Christ's birthday. Now, if you get worried by this, don't get too worried by it. It's a little bit like the Queen's birthday, because the Queen's birthday, when we celebrate the Queen's birthday, is not the Queen's birthday. And if you want something a little bit further afield... All horses have a birthday in a particular day of the year, and they're not all born on one day. So the concept is to set aside a day to remember something. Now, of course, we have a very important day every uh, very important day every week where we remember our Lord Jesus Christ, remember His death and His resurrection for us. No record of a celebration of Christ's birth is found in the Acts or anywhere else in the New Testament. And it appears from all the reading that I have done that this was an attempt to subsume or overtake or replace a celebration called Saturnalia. Any of you that have people like watching the Big Bang Theory like I do, that little comedy, they have a bit of a commentary on that. And I hadn't read much about it until a couple of days ago. I went and had to read about this Saturnalia festival. It was horrible. In fact, it's so horrible and disgusting, I'm not even going to bother to go into it here. Um, It seems quite inappropriate. But if you want to go and have a look, it was a Roman festival. The one thing I will say is that for a week, you were allowed to do anything. You could not be prosecuted for any crime. Just imagine you came to the people of the world today and said, right, for the next week, everything's possible. You can do anything and you will not get into trouble for it. I'd go and find a hill somewhere far away rather than stick around. It incorporated feasts and overindulgence in drinking and other excesses, which I won't go into. So the fact of the matter is the actual date of Christ's birth is not known and unknowable. Now, before I go on from here, though, one of the things I hate about researching things is you often have to come up and say, oops, looks like I was wrong. I had always argued that 
Christ's birth was probably in the springtime because the shepherds were out tending their flocks in the field, which is where the sheep normally are during lambing season. But I did read something that suggested that it's possible that it could still have been December the 25th because apparently the lambs, the pure lambs that were kept for sacrifice were kept out in the field all year round. They weren't brought in. So it's quite possible that those shepherds could have been looking after the sacrificial lambs, which would be even more significant. The fact of the matter is, no matter how much research I do, nobody can tell you the exact date of Jesus' birth. So, what about us? Why are we interested? I'm going to read you something. Can you turn with me to Acts chapter 17? Beginning at verse 16. And I'm going to tell you why, despite the fact that December the 25th is not from my point of view a specifically holy date, why I'm going to celebrate it and use it to the best of my ability. And this comes about while Paul is in Athens. In Acts chapter 17, verse 16, Paul is waiting for them, that's his fellow workers in Athens. He was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. And he reasoned in the synagogues with the Jews and with the God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace, day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. Some of them said, what is this babbler trying to say? And others said, well, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a, meet, a meeting of the Aragopagus. I hope that's the right one. And they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You're bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we want to know what they mean. All Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. So Paul stood up in the meeting of the Aragopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found an altar with the inscription, To an unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. He is not served by human hands as if he needs anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set forth for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of our own poets have said, we are his offspring. 
Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. Right. So, Paul could have been a bit like me and got all jumping up and down about the terrible things that people were doing. But I will put to you that Paul was an excellent advocate of that skill called judo. He used the person's strength against themselves. And so he took all these idols and used them as an introduction to bring people to know the one true God. And in 1 Peter 3.15, we are encouraged as believers to take every opportunity to share our faith with the people around us. So, Christmas. Well, all right, if we don't like the word Christmas, especially given all the associations we saw that we had before, call it the incarnation, a remembrance of the incarnation. Now, Pardon me for one second. And Isn't just... there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. I don't know whether you're a follower of Charlie Brown or not, but the Charlie Brown's Christmas is a favourite of mine and the hairs rise on my hand every time I hear Linus give that uh, address about what Christmas is all about. It's not about any of those things we talked about earlier. They're the add-ons that people have got carried away with. Now I'm just seeing. All right. So... There's a gentleman who had another clip of here today, but I'm going to skip it for the sake of time, by the name of Julius Sumner Miller. The children here, anybody probably under the age of 40 probably doesn't remember Julius Sumner Miller. But he was a a wonderful guy for teaching science. Um, And 
one of the things he continually asked was he would examine something scientifically and then he would say, why is it so to the person who happened to have the ill fortune of being in front of him? He already knew the answers. But can I ask, we can actually do the same thing with our friends and our neighbours. We can talk about who and what we remember. First of all, we remember a saviour. The saviour, our saviour. And remember the angel said, there is born unto you this day in the city of David a saviour. A saviour from what? Well, Simeon said that he would be a saviour from our sins. Simeon had it right. It wasn't about being saved from the Romans. Romans were a minor problem. It mightn't have seemed like a minor problem at the time, but they were a minor problem compared to the problem of sin. We remember a Messiah. The word Christ means Messiah, means an anointed one. And uh, all the kings of Israel were anointed ones, but this is the anointed one. We remember the concept of the incarnation. So I shouldn't say the concept. We remember the fact of the incarnation as um, Malcolm was sharing with us in the first service, the concept that God, who holds the whole universe within him, within his grasp and within his knowledge, somehow came to earth and poured himself as a, out as a baby. It's a mind-bogglingly thought when you have a look at it. How can that which is above and beyond all become part of the whole and still be as I said, can't cope with it I can't explain it but I am amazed by it the word Emmanuel, God with us now for years by the way that concept, you know, you shall name him Emmanuel really bothered me because that's the only place in the New Testament that I can read that Jesus' name is referred to as Emmanuel but, well they didn't call him Emmanuel I don't understand but something I read recently pointed out that the Jewish concept of name is not the concept of a label. Okay? So, you know, my label is Gordon. So a little sticker on my shirt, which sometimes I need so I don't get myself lost. All right? But a name under the Jewish system is like the expression we used to say, he has made a name for himself. Tell me about John. John Melville is diligent and intelligent. So that's a form of name. That's a sort of name or reputation. So the reputation or the description of who Jesus is, is Emmanuel, God with us. We're told that he is the Prince of Peace. We're also told that he's Lord. John read that out earlier on. Lord. Now, Lord is our English word, kurios, I hope I've pronounced that right. Is that the right pronunciation? Kurios, roughly, is the Greek word. The Hebrew word is Adonai. So all of these mean the same concept. And Lord, by the way, doesn't mean somebody that you go, yes, he's the ruler, the way we do to the rulers of the world these days. Lord means the concept of someone who speaks and we obey. We are fully at his command and fully committed to him. We remember angels, messengers. And I love the thought that the angels were sent to sing to a group of shepherds. I don't know whether they were told that they had to sing or they just couldn't hold it in any longer. I'd like to think they couldn't hold it in any longer, that they were that excited. 
tidings of great joy shall be unto you and all mankind. Why? What's so great about a baby being born? Well, it's because at the moment you're dead in your trespasses and sins. But this is going to address it. This one is going to address it. And we have shepherds. And again, you might ask, in terms of a worldly way of doing things, why shepherds? Wouldn't you want to have somebody really, really important there? Well, the shepherds, I will put to you, my thought is that the shepherds are there because they represented exactly what Jesus was, the shepherd. And who better to observe the great shepherd than the sub-shepherds, as it were? And humility. Now, we often think of humility as putting yourself down. Okay? So, so oh, it'll be like Eve saying, oh, I don't play the piano very well. Or Noel saying, no, I don't sing very well. Which is silly because Eve plays the piano very well and Noel sings very well. But humility is taking your authority and your power and your ability and putting them under someone else. So Christ placed himself under the direction of God, being God himself, to come for us. The ultimate in humility. We went from the greatest to one of us. That's the real ultimate in humility. We also have faithfulness, Anna and Simeon. If you read the story with regards to Anna, I think it's something like she was married for about seven years. So let's assume she was 16 at the time, a bit getting on in the piece, getting married at 16. So let's assume she was 23 and now she's 84. So that's about 60 years. And it says that for the 60 years she came every day, prayer and fasting and worshipping God. That's an example of faithfulness. So for all of our more mature amongst us, when you get to, let's say, let's say when you get to 80 years praying, interceding for the saints, as I know you do, then you can have, I suggest you can have a rest, but I doubt you'll get there. This couple just loved and were waiting for the Lord and the Lord rewarded them. Just think of that. They're only... Apart from the shepherds, only two people in Israel who knew that Jesus had come, that the Messiah had come. And then, of course, as I've pointed out before, we have some wise worshippers, the wise men who came from the east. They travelled a long distance. Now, I'm going to put another clip on when I finish this morning, and it does show the wise men, and I couldn't help that because it's somebody else's clip. But they came a bit later. They still came. And of course, the other thing that we really don't mention at Christmas, the total depravity of man. Because after the wise men, having been warned not to go back to Herod, went home, Herod sent his soldiers out to kill every boy or child in Bethlehem, two years and under. That's also part of the Christmas story, the real Christmas story. So when somebody says to me, oh man is basically good, I have no hesitation in saying to them, you're either deranged or you're lying to yourself because it's just simply not true. So this is a wonderful opportunity to ask friends and family questions. Why do we bother with Jesus? If he's just a man who lived 2,000 years ago, why are we still having a celebration 2,000 years later? I don't recall anybody 
that I know celebrating Cleopatra's birth or death or Ramesses or um, Attila the Hun or anybody else for that matter. Why Jesus? Who is this Jesus? This is a good question. If we're theoretically celebrating Jesus' birthday, not only why, but who is he? Please don't say he's a good example. He wasn't a good example at all. He was perfect. But if you want to put him down as a good example, you've really got to deal with the question of one of the three L's which Mr. C.S. Lewis put up. Is he a liar? Is he a lunatic? Or is he a Lord? Because he claimed to be the Son of God. He claimed to be able to forgive sins. If nothing else, he claimed to be able to forgive sins. You know that. You've read it in the scripture. And the only person who can forgive our sins is God. So, he was either lying and knew it. He was lying and he didn't know it, in which case he was a lunatic, or he was who he claimed to be. Why do we need him? Now, I hope you'll bear with me just for a little bit longer. I don't want to skip any of this this morning, so... John chapter 3, please. And I'm going to read the whole passage. 16 through um, through 20. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now stop there for a, quick, for a second. It's a gift, all right? Now I know that you and I give gifts to people at Christmas time because we've got to give gifts and all of you get a gift of something that you really don't need. Um, or If you haven't done so yet, you've been doing really well. But God's not like that. So why would he send his son to die unless we needed it? It's not being done capriciously. It's being done because we need it. God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so it may be seen plainly what he has done through God. So John 3.16 is a very powerful verse, but so are the ones that follow it up. Why did he come? Because without him we were ruined. Perhaps another interesting question is why are people so hung up on Santa? I'm not sure why that is. I suspect it's because he doesn't expect anything of you during the year except that you be good. I'd love some atheist theologian, if I can use that term, to explain to me what they mean by good. How much? What percentage of the time? How good is good? Do I have to just smile sweetly at that person I can't stand who walks through the door? Or do I have to shake their hand? Or even worse, do I have to invite them around for lunch? How good is good? How good do I need to be to get useless Christmas presents? Hmm. Not sure. 
And then when we've examined some of those things, how should I, how should all of us respond to this story? Realising that we have a need, realising that God loves us. Committing our lives to him, not just in terms of, oh Lord, will you save me and take you to heaven? But rather, will you be Lord of my life every day? Every thought. When should I remember the incarnation? Every day. Not just on December the 25th. Okay. Now I'm going to have to change over again. Most of you have a sheet with you there. And on the back of it is the hymn that I want to close with. O Holy Night. Now, I'm not going to make you stand. You can sit if you wish. You can stand if you wish. But I'm going to get, uh, if you haven't got a sheet, have we got any spare sheets? Because Malcolm and Dorothy don't have one. Rats. I thought I did enough. No, none left? Okay. Is there, any, is there any couple that have got two that I can pass one over? Oh, we've got one? Excellent. All right. Ready to go?